You're listening to Life Sparring, fighting mediocrity one round at a time. After a long hiatus of training montaging and mountainous meditating, our titular hero is back with another round of shadow boxing. Here he is facing off with himself, Fabian Gruber. This is Life Sparring round 19. Let's go. Hey there, this is Life Sparring round 19. The comeback. After a break of roughly four months, this is the first episode. It's a solo shadowboxing round where I am trying to catch up on the past few months and yeah, afterwards hopefully get back into a more regular publishing schedule with the usual mix of interview rounds and solo rounds. But first of all, I'm really sorry if I kept you waiting and you were impatiently checking your Spotify feed multiple times per day in anticipation of new material. But next time, just shoot me a message, then I'll probably speed up the recording process. Just kidding. I mean, kind of. Of course, there were some somewhat legitimate reasons why I didn't record an episode earlier. The biggest one, as usual, was my breadwinning day job. I work in a management capacity for an e-commerce setup, and after getting acquired by a venture-backed unicorn end of last year, my role has been changing significantly. Much more often than before, I find myself working too late and sometimes just lacking the gas to record an episode or to work on any of my pet projects and at the end that's what everything life sparring is. Some other reasons were some ongoing construction around the house for a while so we got solar cells on the roof and recently I traveled to Germany. Today is actually the last day of my seven-day mandatory hotel quarantine in Hong Kong and I recall at least the first part of this podcast episode from an ironing board turned into a height adjustable desk straight from my room. I spare you quarantine hacks and tips. I think there's too much out there already and uh, everything has been said and done. I'm definitely not the first person undergoing this kind of situation. But yeah, the ironing board desk hack actually works really fine. At least it's height adjustable and you can move it around the room. And it's uh, far better than a lot of those extra slim built-in desks that many modern hotels have. In addition to all the reasons mentioned before, I also didn't record an interview podcast because I simply didn't have an interview guest lined up. And when it comes to producing content, I'm quite opportunistic. I write if I think I have some thoughts worth sharing. I record when I feel like it or when I have an interesting guest on hand whose story I want to tell. Or I do product reviews or unboxing videos if something relevant drops into my hands. So while I was not recording podcasts in the last quarter, I was actually pretty active on YouTube and filmed unboxing videos for the core body temperature sensor and the contact SB80B spirometer. Both are pretty cool quantified self devices that I plan to use for experiments around heat resistance and breast training later this year. You can most definitely expect multiple pieces of content around these devices and the experiments over the next few weeks and months. I also did a series of reviews on a Kickstarter-backed smart chess board with the cheesy name Chessnut and enjoyed some moderate success with the videos. Three chess videos generated more than 2,200 views on YouTube till date. In general, the videos that I produced are simple, barely cut and surely not perfect from a production standpoint. But I think I found a decent setup to create video content using multiple cameras and screen capture from mobile phone, notebook, via the free streaming and recording software OBS Studio. The setup is quite versatile and I could use it not just for product reviews or unboxing videos, but also to share results of my self-experiments or even create little tutorials. Let's see. 
But in general, if you're interested in topics like the quantified self, smart devices, self-experimentation, then I really recommend that you also sign up to the Life Sparring YouTube channel. And of course, you can also sign up to the monthly Life Sparring newsletter via the website. Then you're not missing anything, no matter if it's written content, a podcast, um, or a YouTube video. You simply get a monthly summary that highlights everything that came out. If you listened to previous Life Sparring shadowboxing rounds, then yeah, you might remember that I usually did some horrible attempt on singing a song. Somehow I'm not feeling like torturing you today. So I guess I skipped the singing part for today. I'm not completely ruling it out to sing in future episodes again. Let's see. But for now, let's skip the singing and let's go straight into what's on and popping, the segment where I talk about what I'm currently obsessing and geeking out about. So what is keeping me up these days? Mainly geopolitics and macroeconomic developments, and first and foremost, the war in the Ukraine. Whenever something of epic historic proportions happens, I experience a cocktail of emotions, alertness and the rush of adrenaline, the feeling of irrelevance of my existence and everyday problems, but also the absolute determination to understand what is going on and where the world is heading towards from this infliction point of history on and what I can do to cope best with the emerging situation. The fall of the Berlin Wall, the first and second Iraq War, 9-11, the collapse of Lehman Brothers in September 2008, emerging COVID in early 2020. Over the course of my life, I've experienced a few watershed moments in history, but none felt as much of a shock as the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. There was the military build-up in the weeks prior, the war rhetoric on both sides, but I guess like most people I expected Vladimir Putin to bluff, trying to raise the stakes in negotiations around the Donbass region. When on February 24 it was clear that there's an invasion of the Ukrainian heartland in motion, I understood immediately that this will cost tens if not hundreds of thousands of mostly innocent lives and could easily escalate beyond the region. In addition, there was the realization that we truly entered a different age and a new world order. Europeans of my generation grew up during the Cold War, experienced the fall of the Iron Curtain in our early teenage years, and then benefited from the peace dividend of the 90s and early 2000s and the many opportunities and freedoms a now almost barrier-free globalized world had to offer. My wife and I married in summer 2016 in a heritage building in Malaysia. We easily agreed on a roaring 1920s party theme. She loved the opulent Gatsby aesthetics of that area, and for me, it then felt like a fitting reference to the changing times we were living in. In my groom speech, I referenced world politics and the growing trend towards populism, totalitarianism, xenophobia, and expressed the hope that our multicultural party crowd would party like it's the 1920s, while we still can. I was not thinking of a war in Europe when I wrote the speech. I was thinking of the compartmentalization of the world through Donald Trump's anti-internationalistic agenda of America first, Brexit, and the intensifying trading skirmishes with China. Six years further, it really feels as if the 1920s are coming to an end and we are about to enter the 1930s again. War in Europe, hyperinflation, ethnicization of politics and conflicts, history really rhymes well, and humanity apparently did not learn much from its biggest historical errors. Where does it leave somewhat ordinary people like you and me? The best advice when facing high levels of macro-level insecurities is always to direct your energy to the few things that you can actually influence. I have never worked out so regularly and made such consistent attempts to get the right amount of sleep as during the COVID pandemic. You cannot entirely avoid the risk of getting the virus, 
but you can at least live healthy and get into the best shape your age, genetic makeup and environment allows you to get into. In terms of the conflict in Ukraine, if you live in Europe, there's probably something that you could do to help mitigating the humanitarian catastrophe caused by the war. Or you can donate an adequate amount to a credible non-profit organization. That's what I did. And then there's the question of where these massive geopolitical shifts leave us and where the world is headed from here, especially in a macroeconomic sense. How should we react to these expected developments and how should we position ourselves? My worldview has been largely influenced by investors and thinkers like Howard Marks, Ray Dalio and Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Howard Marks is a co-founder of investment company Oaktree Management and his regular newsletters to his investors are publicly available and contain a lot of wisdom. I will link them in the show notes. Marx contributed the focus um, on long-term orientation and contrarian views and the emphasis on cycles to my worldview. Ray Dalio, founder of Bridgewater Associates, is another legendary investor and in recent years also known for sharing his principled worldviews. He inspired me to emphasize first principles and reinforce the long-term cyclic view of the economy and um, even history. And for Nassim Taleb, author of books like Black Swan, Fooled by Randomness, Anti-Fragile, I picked up that humans are notoriously bad at foreseeing the future, that tail risk hardly ever priced properly by markets, and that the biggest gains and losses in life are to be made when there is an asymmetric risk profile and the upside and the downside of an opportunity are not even. Now, obviously, I'm neither Ray Dalio, Marx um, or Taleb, and I would never claim that I could intellectually keep up with either one of the three. But the way I try to live my life and make bigger, especially financial decisions, is by having an imaginary dialogue with the three greats. What are the underlying principles that cause the current macroeconomic development? What is my hypothesis for the most likely future development? What are realistic alternative scenarios and which potential tail risk exists that would create even larger swings in either direction? Which of the developments observed are cyclical and where are we in the cycle? These are questions that I ask myself a lot, especially when the world seems to go completely haywire. It would probably go too far in this podcast to go through my complete scenario assessment right now. But if this is something you're interested in, leave me a comment and I probably dedicate an extra life-sparing round to it. But let me give you at least a quick summary of where my head is right now. Of course, with the clear disclaimer that I'm not an investment professional, that is a casual podcast for entertainment, and nothing that I'm saying should be taken as an investment advice. Listen to people who know better than me. That being said, inflation is likely to stay since central banks are not able to raise the interest rates fast enough to bring it down without causing recession. So I expect interest to go, interest to go up, but to stay below inflation rates, so creating an environment of negative real rates. Sadly, the war in Ukraine likely will also continue in one form or the other for the foreseeable future, unless Russia manages a decisive win, which seems not very likely at this point, luckily. Another trend that sadly will most likely continue is the ongoing decoupling of China and the West. Independently from which US president is in office, this is most likely continuing and I personally find it sad because I'm living since yeah, almost 15 years um, in Asia, in China, and enjoy best of both worlds. But it seems to be unavoidable at this point in time. And it's a human tragedy to some extent. And it also adds some um, additional inflationary pressure to the world economy. 
and of course an escalation of the conflict with Russia or even a conflict in Asia, possibly in the Taiwan Strait, are possible tail risks because of the potentially devastating consequences far beyond just markets we have to consider. And above this, we are still dealing with a pandemic that could reignite through a new variant uh, of COVID at any time. We are also facing the consequences of climate change and the world not exactly rallying together to mitigate its consequences. All summed up, we are looking at an increasingly volatile world and in my personal opinion that calls for maximum diversification. If you are able to, try to spread whatever you can invest and whatever you own as wide as possible across different markets and asset classes, without of course completely ignoring transaction fees. With inflation very likely staying around for some time, keeping your money under the mattress or even on the saving account is possibly one of the worst ideas. At the same time, stocks are extremely volatile and cryptos an even bigger casino. I have very modest crypto holdings that I recently increased a bit in weaker market phases. And I have a short list of stocks that I'm positive about in the long run. And I keep some cash in my account ready to buy them when any of these targets reach a valuation level that seems somewhat reasonably to me. However, it's very important to never put money in cryptocurrency or stocks that you cannot afford to lose or at least wait quite some time to get back. Even with um, some of the markets, uh, cryptos or uh, single stocks already trading way below their 2021 highs, it's very possible, if not likely, that we will see significantly lower prices um, down the road. Physical gold is tempting, but the high transaction costs make it almost exclusively an option for the super rich, which I don't count myself belonging to, sadly. Paper gold in form of ETFs is an option, but it has some tail risks because at the end an ETF provider could go bankrupt and you could lose. Real estate is um, also very interesting, especially if you use it by yourself. Small house outside of the city, some solar cells on the roof and a bit of a garden is probably an investment bringing you well through a lot of the possible macroeconomic scenarios that we are facing. A bit of debt in an inflationary environment? Yeah, not so bad either. But yeah, you should keep in mind that housing prices have in a lot of places shot yeah, incredibly up. And owning real estate also means you're constantly on the tap for some maintenance and repairs. Don't bank on your current salary to pay for your mortgage. If you buy something new, rather buy one number smaller than you can afford, try to get a fixed interest rate loan to protect your cash flow and keep some funds in reserve for repairs or to cover your loan payments. I guess that covers the basics of how I see the world from the angle of personal financial security right now. As I said, if you're interested in this topic, I might dedicate a complete show to it and probably invite a guest to. And with that being said, let's move on to the next segment of the show, Food for Thought, where I share what I recently read and probably learned from it. Since the last solo life sparring episode was literally ages ago, I have read a whole number of books in the meantime. I even finally wrapped up my long-term reading challenge of reading the complete works of Austro-German poet Rainer Maria Rilke. But that probably deserves a very own podcast segment or an article. Let's see. I read a few novels too, but the two books I want to share today are non-fiction books. Let's start with the lighter of the two reads. Robert Moore's On Trails and Exploration is a great read for every passionate hiker or trail runner. Inspired by his own experience of through-hiking the Appalachian Trail, Moore dives deep into the history of trails from the first traces of moving animals to the considerations that go into building modern hiking trails for weekend adventurers. If you have told me some years back that I would thoroughly enjoy reading a philosophical treaty 
on trails, I would have been pretty skeptical. But I guess I reached an age where questions like, why do we feel free while following a predetermined uh, path? What hiking paths have to do with democracy? How paths differ from trails? Or what constitutes a wise trail? Having become somewhat interesting. If you are like me, a trail lover with a tendency to wonder about life, you most likely enjoy Robert Moore's On Trails. And if you wonder about the last question of what makes a good trail, according to Moore, it's a balance of three values, durability, efficiency, and flexibility. But for more, you have to read the book. Not completely unrelated to the topic of predetermined trails and very matching with the main theme of this solo podcast is the second book I would like to talk about today. Ray Dalio's Principles for Dealing with the Changing World Order, Why Nations Succeed and Fail. I mentioned Ray Dalio in the earlier segment of this show when talking about people who influence my thinking. Quite similar to his first major book, Principles, his 2021 work, Principles for Dealing with the Changing World Order, is an exhausting read and it took me quite some time to get into it. Based on the observation that all throughout the human history, empires rose and failed and there are constantly boom and bust cycles, Ray Dalio and his team developed a catalog of 18 criteria to measure the power ranking of empires and their development over time. We all know about the rise and the fall of the Spanish, the Dutch, the British Empire, but it's interesting to see how these empires performed across the Dalio criteria over time. And even more interesting than this historical analysis is the transfer from history to present times. It still feels weird to me to see the US as a declining empire But Dalio's reasoning is quite convincing. According to Ray Dalio, the rise and fall of empires is mainly determined by the long-term debt and capital market cycle, the internal order and disorder cycle, and the external order and disorder cycle. Based on this criteria, the US is way past its peak across the board. Enabled by the status of the US dollar as a reserve currency, the US took some $30 trillion of debt, wealth gap gaps are increasing, And the political landscape is increasingly polarized and at the same time international conflict potential is rising. Principles for Dealing with the Changing World Order was published in 2021 and did not foresee the massive shift of the world order caused by the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. It focused much more on the conflict with China that has been building over many years and that has so far mainly manifested in verbal exchanges and trade restrictions. One of the more scarier conclusions of Dalio's assessment is the rising risk of a bigger military clash, since these tend to happen when major powers are fairly evenly matched. Even if the US will remain the world's biggest military power for a while, China's improving military capacities, paired with some home field advantage, are likely enough to tip the power scale in some regional theaters, especially in the South China Sea. It feels like madness to think that these kind of geostrategic plays would put all our lives at risk. But the developments are undeniable and, at least according to Ray Dalio's observation of human history, also unavoidable. I would have been much more optimistic in terms of uh, my worldview, but the Russian invasion of the Ukraine proved my optimism in the development of the human race wrong, for sure. Geopolitics are real. Could Russia's aggression been foreseen by looking at Ray Dalio's power matrix? While Russia was at best a stagnating power, Its short-term economic situation prior to the invasion was um, quite strong, since energy exports provided steady income and debt was low. Russia remained the leading military power with a strong nuclear deterrent and a massive size advantage in their regional spheres of interest. Paired with a negative outlook, like dependence on fossil fuels, small economy, huge wealth gaps, a low birth rate and an aging dictator 
who possibly is very interested to leave some legacy, would at least provide some form of rationalization to what seems an act of complete madness. As you can see, Dalio's principles for dealing with the changing world order is not answering all questions, but the massive 550 pages long book is very inspiring to create your own thought experiment and um, thinking in the world in a different way. I had a very similar feeling with the first book, where it seems that the main value was not his collection of principles and to follow them, but the inspiration of thinking about your own set of principles that guide your life. This alone makes both books worth reading, in my opinion. And with this, let me close this round that took already far too long to record. I mean, you probably will hear it if my voice sounds a bit different in the different segments. Let me know if you liked this very different uh, shadowboxing round of lies bearing and this uh, wipe-off show in general. And I'm always happy for feedback and very happy to take it into consideration for future shows. This was Life Sparring Round 19, Shadowboxing, April-May 2022. With me, your host, Fabian Gruber. Life Sparring is produced by Thomas Lutter. Intro and outro beat are by McKessie Producer. More info about Life Sparring in this episode, including all links, gadgets, resources mentioned in the show, you can find at lifesparring.com slash podcast. Life Sparring with a hyphen. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave a like wherever you are getting your podcasts from. I hope you join me and my guests again for the next one of Life Sparing. Until then, stay healthy, keep your hands up and protect yourself at all times. Cheers. Cheers.